0: How has Blake Griffin improved his shot so dramatically? What is the definition of an open shot? Are the Clippers a serious contender? The only question left is: say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. Today I am really excited to have Dave Severins on the show. Who is currently the pro personnel scout for the Los Angeles Clippers, and has spent basically his whole life around the NBA and helping the, uh, players improve and work on the court and scouting and everything? So, Dave, uh, thanks for coming on the show. I can't wait to talk to you.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Nick. Thanks for having me. And I, I you know, just got to say I haven't spent my whole life around the NBA. Only the last ten years.
0: <laughs> well, you know, when you when you're about when you were like what thirty years old, then that's a the third of your life.
1: I, I wish I was 30. Just double <laughs> that, and then you got me.
0: <laughs> no, All right. Well, we won't get into how we you know. We won't, we won't reveal anyone's age here. But either way, how about we start about, talking about shooting, shooting in the NBA? Okay.
1: Well, yeah. It's, it's, you know, you, see, you you hear so many coaches and analysts and things say, you know, to make-miss And it sounds very simple, but it really is. I mean, a lot of it comes down to, you know, who can create their own shot who can make open shots. And who can create an open shot for somebody else? Um, it's so much a part of the NBA is being able to make open shots and be able to create shots for yourself or others. Uh, it's a simple thing that we say, but there's so much truth to it. So, you know, when you were working as,
0: with the Clippers, obviously you had Chris Paul there for all those years. And is it uh-huh. safe to say that he's probably one of the best, maybe, I don't know, of all time for creating shots for others?
1: Yes, he is. Um... You know, there's no doubt that his vision, his his passing ability, his creativity with the ball, he's one of the best that I've seen at creating the shot for others. whether it's an open jump shot, a lob, or a guy coming off a screen. Chris is probably, you know, top five all-time in being able to get guys good shots, place the ball where it needs to be placed, on time, on target.
0: I don't think that he gets enough credit for that last part you just said because I remember I ran into J.J. Redick right when he signed with the Clippers in the, in the airport, and I, yeah. and I started chatting with him. I said, you know, are you prepared for you know, the pass to be right on your numbers every single time? And I'm wondering, you been you were around him and saw how he trained. Like, is there anything particular that you think that Chris Paul did to be able to develop, the first of all, the accuracy, but then the timing of those passes?
1: Not really. I, I think it's just kind of natural. I think it's something. It's just a gift, you know. I was around Chris when he was a young player at Wake Forest a little bit, and he's kind of always had that ability, just to put the ball. You know, it's kind of like a quarterback who can, who can put the ball. You know, right in that tight window. Uh, Chris has always had the ability to do that.
0: Hmm. So I wonder if it's also just a notion of like focus on doing that, whereas maybe other players, everything's going so fast. They're just, you know, they're just throwing the ball, whereas maybe just not even like a practice thing. He just sort of on his mind says, I'm going to get it there. And that's that's
1: enough. Well, I, I don't know what he's thinking. All I know <laughs> is he puts it right on the money. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think the, I think the great ones don't think about it. They just do it.
0: Yeah. Okay. And I would agree with that. I've interviewed a lot of the you know great shooters in the past, and they also seem to me to not necessarily you know know exactly what they're doing. I mean, some of them do, but I would think the more more often than not, they just sort of shot it and it went in, and that was and they they yeah. repeated. <laughs> um, well, yeah. what are your uh, what is your take on on that kind of thing when you're training guys or talking about shooting? Um, you know, how much do you get into the nitty gritty of elbow and wrist and 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 all that kind of stuff and feet or or are you just sort of trying to you know get it get a flow and get you know the the bigger picture going
1: no i think i think you need to break it down but in saying that as you're breaking the shot down you can't get you can't get it to the to the uh position where you're trying to focus and and adjust five or six to seven things Mm -hmm. i think one or two things Uh, really need to be emphasized. It may may be getting the elbow above your eyebrow. It may be, you know, getting the ball into the shooting pocket. It may be something with your hands uh, or with your feet or your legs. But I think if you start combining, you know, five, six, seven things, you're you're going to put too much into their head. Uh, When you break down shooting, I really think that, that it needs to be one or two key teaching points. And along with teaching points, I think you need to have, you know, maybe some verbal clues that can help the guys uh but if you overload them with you know 6 7 different things you know hey your foot your toe your hand your wrist your this your that uh you're going to you're going to put too much into their head so you know one or two simple teaching points uh and then build from there
0: um, what, what, with your time around the Clippers and on the court, uh, you know, are, was there ever, uh, you know, something you said that blew you away that you saw maybe another coach do or some, or a player doing it when they're training that said, "Man, that's awesome. That's an amazing drill, or that's a great little tip, or a specific point." Is, is that ever anything crossing your
1: mind when you when you think about that? Not uh, be honest with you, I'd, <laughs> I I'll top of my head. I'd have to say no. Okay. Um, I mean, that, don't get me wrong, I, you know, being around a lot of very good coaches and things like that, but but specific things, I'd have to probably think about that a little bit.
0: All right. Well, uh, no worries. Um, so, uh, you know, how much shooting, like, you know, do you, being around the Clippers, like how much shooting do they do? I, I, I'm going to check it out right now, but as far as where they rank as, as shooting in the last several years, do you think that they, you know, are they shooting every day in practice as a team, or does it have to be all individual? How does that work with the, with the coaching well, uh, staff?
1: Well, it's just – it's just not our team. I mean, every team, whether it be individually or as a team, does a lot of shooting. I, I would say, especially in, you know, the time that's not team practice time, which is, you know, development time or individual time, whatever you want to call it. I'd say probably 80 to 90 percent of that time is spent on shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, team practice time, you know, there may be a couple shooting drills, uh, you know, with the team to get guys warmed up or whatever. Uh, once you're into practice practice with the team you know there's so much other stuff that needs to be covered so most of the shooting uh with, with every team i'd say pretty much the case is done individually and it's a lot trust me you'd be amazed at, at, at how much time it goes into shooting and especially with, with the good shooters you know take a guy like jj you know that the stuff that he does just doesn't happen kyle korver guys like that i mean you'd be amazed at the amount of time jamal Crawford, uh, kevin durant curry thompson put into individual shooting. I mean, those guys get a ton of shots at And um, so that's, that's, to answer your question, most of it's done on an individual basis.
0: And, and when you're talking about a ton of shots, you, you're, you're talking about they're not just sort of standing still and someone just throwing it to them from the no, basket area.
1: No, I, you know, it's, it's, to be effective and, 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 and to be able to progress your shooting, it's gotta be game situations, it's gotta be game life. Yeah. Uh, Now, now, there's a time and place for you know spot shooting, of course, but you know to really get improvement, you know it's got to be game speed, game shots, Um, and and it's got to be assimilated like that to be able to be effective.
0: I have an interesting question for you. You might have to rack your brains a little sure. bit, you, uh, because <laughs> when you when you look at the three point percentage of the Clippers over the last several years, they're top top seven, top eight every year. Uh, in 2013-14, however, they were very bad. Uh, they were way down. Let's see: 30, 29, 20 27, 26, 25, 24. So they were 22nd in the league in 2013-14, and then all of a sudden, in 14-15, they make this rocket jump and then stay there for that up until this year. Do you can you remember what happened because JJ Redick was on the team in thirteen fourteen, but like do you know what happened? Was there a difference? Did anyone do something differently that that suddenly made that
1: jump? No, I'd have to look at the roster and see what we have on the team. Okay. Uh, and and the different the difference between one year to the next on the roster, and I'm sure that has almost everything to do with it.
0: Okay, so you think it's more about personnel versus like all of a sudden they changed oh, sure.
1: something that they did? No, 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 no. It's 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 more about personnel to me than. Then a the guy all of a sudden, you know, totally changed the way he shoots. Uh, I, I would say it's almost roster-driven.
0: Okay. So, here, well, here's another question then. Hey, hey the, yeah.
1: the players are the most important thing. It's like, who you got?
0: Right. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Fair enough. Well, let me ask you this then. Do you believe that, like, can players actually improve on shooting as they go through their careers? Oh, Is Sure. That-
1: Okay. Oh, there's no problem. There's no question. And, and we've seen many examples of that in the league. I mean, and one example is our guy, Blake. Uh, when, when he came in, I, I, you know, I had him when he was a rookie, when he was coming off the knee injury, and he hadn't played yet. And, you know, you go on the court with him for his shooting, and it was just, wow, he didn't have any feel for shooting. And through his determination of work ethic, we could see where he is now. I mean, look at this year, three-point percentage is off the charts. Now, I know it's early in the year we're going to play three games. But he's really, really improved his shot over the last eight or nine years, however long he's been in the league. And it started off with the mid-range shot. And you know, through hard work and just persistence, he's now gotten to the point where he's a pretty good three-point shooter, and you have to honor that. So, yes, guys can improve. I have seen guys improve. Um, and he's just a great example of that.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's interesting because for, for a few years now, they've been talking about him needing to shoot more threes and sp- space the floor better. Did you, uh, did you feel that was a, a significant issue uh, the last three or four years with Chris Paul and, and the team as it constituted that he was not spacing the floor
1: well enough? Well, I don't know if it was an issue. Uh, you know, it was something we would have liked to have seen happen. Uh, but he just wasn't ready yet. You know, he just—he he wasn't comfortable yet three or four years ago. He, he wasn't ready to step out and shoot pop threes, trail threes. And now he is. And, and that's through all the hard work that he puts in. And, you know, he gets the credit, you know, mm-hmm. for, for putting in that hard work. And I, I really feel in the NBA to be successful, you have to have a big that can shoot threes. Uh, it's really difficult to play with your four and your five, and neither can step out and stretch the floor and space, and space the floor. So that's really going to help our team by having him, uh, you know, stay consistent with the three-point shooting. I, I really feel that's important.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, he hit a step back off the dribble three last night with a guy yeah. in his jersey, yeah. um, and that yeah, that he's, was done, a, he's
1: done that about three or four times this year. Yeah. That wasn't the first time that's happened.
0: So what is that telling
1: you? Well, it tells me that he has, you know, he has the confidence to take that shot. And, and what I liked last night, for example, was. You know, normally Blake in the fourth quarter in a close game uh, doesn't want to shoot those, doesn't have the confidence to shoot them in, in the pass. And you saw last night in the fourth quarter of a big game, uh, they cut a, They cut a big lead down to six. Mm-hmm. And Blake shoots that step back three in the fourth quarter to put us up nine, and that was basically the game. And four or five years ago, three or four years ago, you wouldn't have seen him take that shot. He didn't have the confidence to take it. He would have tried to put his head down and drive the ball. Uh, and play what we call bully ball. But for him to make that shot in the fourth quarter of a relatively close game, I think shows his progress and the confidence that he has.
0: And now have you observed anything different? Because it's pretty significant. He's actually taking six threes a game, which is jaw-dropping yeah. to me. And he's making 44. It's it was a little bit higher than that, and I, obviously we think it, it'll probably you know level off a little bit. And by the way, what's your prediction? Do you feel like he's going to stay elite 40% on six attempts per game?
1: Well, I, I think you'll see the six attempts stay. I, I think realistically, Blake's probably around 38, 39% right wow. around in there. You know, once you know once we get into a 20, 25 game uh, sample size, I think you'll see that you know 38, 39% would be really good. Yeah. And I, I think he's got, he's got the capability to do that. I mean, he's just, you know, the hitch is starting to go away. Uh, it's so much smoother. Um, you know, he used to shoot the ball on the way down a little bit. And now he, he, he's, he's a lot smoother. It's more one motion. And up until last night, I believe he had not missed a free throw. And he missed two in a row. He was really upset with himself. Mm-hmm. But his free throws have also become, have become uh, really good.
0: Yeah, now it's that rhythm that, we've, that I've, I used to, I've complained about for years and shooting on the way down. Um, you know, what's the cue for that? If you've got a guy who's been doing it his whole life, uh, what do you say to him? What helps him
1: to you know, smooth it out? Well, one of the things Blake had, he had a shooting coach with him for us, I don't know, for maybe five year, four or five years. And one of the verbal clues that the coach always stressed was Blake was let it go, let it go, let it go. And, you know, that, that, that kind of gave him a verbal clue of not to have the hit. Just let it go. One motion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I think that's really been great for Blake. And now, to be honest with you, he doesn't need a shooting coach. He's his own best coach. He spent so much time with our shooting coach in four or five years that, that now he understands his shot so much, and, and more than anybody, that he's able to make the adjustments. And I think that's what you want to do as a shooter, is, is get to the point where you can become your own best shooting coach and make the adjustments as you see them and as you feel them need to be made. And Blake's at that point now.
0: Well, yeah, that's, and that's great to know. I mean, certainly with the free throws too, I'm sure yeah, he's as much of an expert as anybody at this point. And you can be an expert too if you head over to DraftKings.com to play Daily Fantasy. You can be part of the action every night when you choose between public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can take on your friends. If you're a beginner or a casual fantasy player, they've got a contest for you as well. Drafting your team is simple. Pick eight players and stay under the salary cap, something Doc Rivers is going to have a hard time doing with DeAndre Jordan pretty soon. You earn points for scoring, assists, blocks, rebounds, and lots of other stats. There's no better way to turn your love of basketball into cash in your pocket. And there's no commitment. Each day is a new contest, so hurry to DraftKings.com now and use code COACHNICK to play free with your first deposit for your share of $10,000 in total prizes tonight. That's code COACHNICK to play for free with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. The game inside the game. You know, it's funny, uh, you know, your era of coaching it's nice to hear you, you know, kind of re- reference rhythm and one motion shooting and a lot the other things that we talked about uh, in the past about, you know, some of the newer fundamentals of the shot, because it feels like a lot of guys who are, uh, who have, who started out coaching or learned the game in the, you know, 80s or, or you know, maybe early 90s, seem to have a real resistance to looking at shooting in the way that like you, know, you, you and I look at it. And I'm wondering. You know, what about what about that, you know, makes people so resistant to wanting to update the techniques?
1: I, you know what? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just I just know what I know, and I know what I've learned uh, from guys that I really respect and trust and have seen results from in the past. You know, I, I grew up in high school and, and playing the game in, in college in the 70s, <laughs> mid to late 70s. So I go way back and, you know, we I was always taught and, and we've always tried to emphasize, you know, the one motion shot and, you know, the one-two with the feet and those being probably the two most important things. And to speak on, you know, guys nowadays, I, I don't know, I can't comment on that. I, I really don't know what they what they, right. what they feel. <laughs> Fair enough. And I mean, there's I... a lot, you know, there's a lot of different ways to teach everything, you know, what, what works for uh, – you know what works for one coach may not work for another coach, or work for one player may not work for another player. So there's a lot, of, and I've been really fortunate to be around uh, coaches who coach different styles and different ways, and 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 handle players differently. So. And by the way, that is true. I mean,
0: I'm always in search of the universal truth to basketball. And I, I, you know, I feel like every once in a while I stumble upon something that I feel like uh, we could use across the board. But that is true. I I don't want to we're not going to yell at everybody and say, oh, you have to do it this one way. Uh, But but, um, certainly that is interesting uh, when we're talking about how we teach this stuff. Let me ask you this. And I'm curious, you know, this comes up a lot about spacing, and I mentioned it earlier about how there was always that criticism with uh, Blake shooting, you know, these long mid-range and not spacing the floor. What is the difference, though, like between uh, – where would a defender be guarding Blake on the weak side versus, a, like, a good three-point shooter? Isn't it just, like, a step difference, maybe a step and a half?
1: It's probably about two feet, but in the NBA, two feet is a huge difference. Uh, that's that's the difference between having an open look for a split second, or having a contested look for that split second. So you know the the, the ability to shoot out at the three point line it makes that defender you know maybe just a, a foot or two closer or a foot or two further away on the closeout, and and that little bit of space really makes it a huge difference.
0: Really, okay, and that's the other thing is I think people don't understand, especially at the pro level, what an open shot really is because they'll think that it's contested when I'm showing them that, you know, it's not, it's really open. Now, the way I kind of do it is like on the catch, if it's a catch and shoot, let's say for three, if he's got a clear look at the rim on the catch, that to me is an open shot. Do you agree with that?
1: Yes. Yes. And, 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 you know, there's going to be a guy running at you. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a guy. Very rarely do you get just a wide open shot with nobody closing at you. Um, but to me when he catches the ball and he has a good look and he has good footwork uh regardless of you know really where the defender is if he's got that good look at the rim he's gonna get a shot off um you know, you know guys you get there, you, very rarely do you see in the nba a guy get a three-point shot blocked. right is that true would you agree with that absolutely i mean, I mean very rarely i mean if if they just have that feel to where if i feel i'm going to get this shot blocked and the whole is coming at me I'm going to drive it. I mean, it, it, it's not something you can, it's just kind of a feel. you got to drill it with guys and they got to know when I'm open and when I'm not. Mm-hmm. And very rarely do you see a contested uh, three-point shot block. Yeah, and another reason and if why... A guy, if a guy, and, if, and if a guy gets to block continuously, he's not very good.
0: Right, and another reason why you have to drill it live. Like, there's no other way to learn how to read that, in my mind, than to do it live with a guy closing out and you slowly feel, oh, yeah. okay... This is hard now. This is a great question. I want to ask you because it's related to this What about the closeout actually affects the shot? You said that you know We don't often block shots from the three-point land, so It's not often the, the maybe I don't think it's the fear of the block But what do you think the closeout actually does to affect the shot that it to the point where it misses?
1: Well with good players, it doesn't affect them at all. Okay. I mean, I I, I can almost guarantee you if you talk to the really good shooters in the league they would say i'm not affected at all by that closeout that doesn't bother me at all I, I don't really even see the guy coming at me all i see is the rim you know my eyes are on the rim and i'm focused on that um i, I bet you most of the guys would say that okay and so, so close that, the close now, now what, the, the, what the effect that the defensive coaches want is they want the effect of the closeout to be running the guy off the line and making him dribble putting that little bit of indecision into his head if you if you run a three-point shooter off the line and made him dribble into a two, you've done your job.
0: Okay, so and interesting that interesting enough. Sense? Yeah, but what we see now is the shot fake sidestep dribble, and then they still yeah. shoot the three, which is a very legitimate, yeah. you know, fundamental. Because uh, I've yeah. asked a lot of these shooters, and oftentimes they don't even see the rim, you know, the guy, because that's the other question is, okay, if it's not a fear of the block, then the hand is up and they want to challenge in the air, that seems to be what everyone wants to do now. So the hand up being like, would obscure the vision of the rim. So I started to wonder, okay, well, maybe that is part of it as well, although I think, would you agree that a lot of the good shooters would say that doesn't matter either?
1: I would say you're absolutely right. And the sidestep has become a skill that perimeter guys have utilized to be able to, you know, if the guy runs you off the line, you can still get a three point shot by using the slide dribble or side dribble, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something that that you see being taught now. Uh, And you probably Steph Curry is the best guy in the league at the shot fake, Mm -hmm. you know, and then a little slide dribble to the left or to the right, usually to the left because the guy's running at your right hand. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think you see that's a skill that's really being taught now, is that side dribble.
0: Yeah, to, to the point where it's weird when I see a one dribble pull-up now off a shot fake for, to, at like 18 feet or 15 feet. It's weird. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. look strange now. And, uh, and yet, I, I don't know what happened to you know, a 15-footer. So suddenly, it seems to me, any shot taken from outside of 10 feet and inside of 23 is a mid-range shot. I don't know how that happened. It Shouldn't mid-range be, you know, like the 15-footer? Isn't that what we still would want to get,
1: ultimately? Well, to, to me, you know, a mid-range shot is anywhere from about 15 feet to about, you know, to 20 feet, you know, right in that area. Mm-hmm. And what, you, what you're seeing now more and more of, and instead of the mid-range 15-footer, once guys get in there off a shot, fake, or off a pick and roll, is the runner or the floater. You don't see a lot of real pull-up jump shots. I mean. I saw a lot the last six years with Chris because that was his best shot. He was number one in the league on those pull-up jump shots from about 15 feet. Mm-hmm. But a lot of guys today, you'll see from 15 feet, 14 feet, anywhere around the free throw line, guys are shooting a runner off either two feet, which I call a floater, or off one foot, which I call a runner. Um, you see a lot of that now instead of just the traditional you know, pull-up one, two with your feet into the jump shot.
0: Do you have a preference for, for, between a one-foot a runner or a floater?
1: I do not. I teach both, and let the guys figure it out from there. Um, if you're going to teach the one-footed runner uh, off of one foot, you need to shoot the ball just like you would a jump shot. Steve Nash was great at it. If you can imagine in your mind jumping off your left foot and shooting a regular jump shot, but you got to teach them when you jump off that left foot, it's a high jump, it's not a long jump to avoid the charge. Yeah. Uh, now, when, when you teach the floater, which is more off two feet, and you release the ball more uh, like a knuckleball to get a soft roll on the rim, it's it's not a jump shot release. It's more of a two-hand floater release um, or a one-hand release that you see a lot of guys use. So I teach them both and let the guys figure out, you know, what's most comfortable for them. I remember when when Derek was a real young player we had him his first year, and when we started working with Derek on floaters and stuff. and. He, uh, I said, "What do you, you know? What do you prefer?" He goes, "I don't know. I just get in there and do it." <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. So his, pre- his preference was to go off two feet and shoot the, the actual floater with very little spin and rotation on the ball to be able to get a, 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 a soft.
0: Wait, a which soft Derek are we runner. talking about? Rose. Oh, okay. Rose. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Uh, all right. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm not surprised that Derek Rose would say he doesn't really know or has a preference. It seems like he is just all feel. And I would argue they would it might, it might help him <laughs> to get a little bit more focus on it. Well,
1: you know, you know, instinct is such a huge part of this game. Yeah. And if a player is successful with his instincts, don't mess with them. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk <laughs> if about. He's if he's successful. If he's not, then you might have to tweak
0: some things. Okay. Well, have you watched Markel Fultz shoot free throws?
1: Yeah, I, I don't like it. I'm going to be honest. He, and their shooting coach is a really good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I talk to them a lot and they're, and they're working on it. They're going to get him they're going to get him right. Now, we weren't aware of the shoulder problem right. either. Right. All right, so uh, we'll lay off so him that's, because that's, of the shoulder. That's, that, yeah, I mean, we will we'll, we'll revisit him in a few months and see how he's doing.
0: <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. So, but let me ask you this. Okay, so the, the the thing that drove me crazy the most about um the Clippers and I and I worry that the Clippers are mad at me because I'll do this on Twitter a lot is I'll show the Blake Griffin uh, post hey, up. Hey,
1: hey, tr- trust me, trust me. They don't get mad. at they're, okay. They're, they're worried about that. They're worried about the next game. They're good, not worried good. about what
0: we say on Twitter. Oh, uh, fair enough. And then, well, although the who knows if the, the PR people aren't there but if they are, I listen. I love. No, no, no. You know, and by the way, the, we got to get into Teodosic to in a minute, but the I did a video I think last year about the Blake Griffin post up problem, and it's the irony is is that he's generally on the, the top of the efficiency for post ups, but you know. Have you ever had to work with him or try to work with him on, on the post-up and sort of this, the notion where he likes to jump while his back is still at the basket and then somehow twists to try and get the ball to go in?
1: Yeah. yeah what, do, work, what do you make you know, of that? Well, I don't like it. I don't like it. I think it's, it to off-balance shots and turnovers. But, you know, but it's just something that he does. That's just something that he does. And, and I think it's a bad habit that he's got to get rid of. Um, now, and watching him this year, I haven't seen that yet. Uh, I haven't seen that yet out of his game. I, I've seen some very efficient foot, footwork uh, and finishes this year, especially off the left block. I mean, last night, two or three times, he just he just punished Derek Favors.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And where Blake gets in trouble is when he when he tries to play bully ball and bang, 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 instead of just facing up quick or, or going quick off a face-up or, or just going quick off a back-to-the-basket. Of Because with his strength and quickness, nobody can guard him. Right. Where he gets into trouble is, like you said, when he tries to go off balance and and the one foot and the uh, bully ball type stuff. Uh, And also, he handled the double teams pretty good last night uh, because he's such a great passer. And not only last night, but earlier uh, in the year also.
0: Yeah. Listen, he is in the MVP discussion right now. I mean, he really is, especially if the Clippers. Hey, whoa,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. We played three games. (laughs)
0: <laughs> hey listen this is the time to be there's, irrational there's, there's,
1: there's, and I mean, don't get me wrong i love him and i hope you know i hope he's up there in the discussion but like, come on uh, all right hey dave you know, there's i probably just, 20, there's probably 20 guys you could say right now oh he's in the discussion
0: uh, right. i i i already did a video on Giannis he's already he's dropped the gauntlet and he is uh you know i mean it's it's it, you've seen his numbers right
1: yeah he's a pretty good player
0: <laughs> he's pretty good yeah so, you know, but hey, a good start to the season can kind of catapult you through oh, yeah. the narrative gets hold and then all of a sudden. But I, I mean, I think part of the deal is they're 3-0. and They look very good. Um, and if they, I think people were writing the Clippers off. It felt like they thought maybe they wouldn't even make the playoffs this year or they'd be down in the 6-7-8 in the seat. If, if they finish Uh-oh. higher than that, I, I, you know, that that's going to be the biggest argument he has, even though last year we saw it didn't necessarily matter what the record was. I think that, that, that uh, fin- if they finish high, uh, that'll really catapult him in that discussion, I, right? I have to imagine.
1: Well, I, I, I think anybody that's being considered for, for that award has to have a, a good team. Um, a winning team, you know, a top four team. I, what was the exception was probably last year with Russell. With yep. Russell, right? I don't know what they. I don't know what they finished. They weren't in the top four, I don't believe. No. Nope. But that that was kind of an outlier year. But uh, yeah, that that definitely will help. You know, and and our team's pretty good. I'm telling you, I, I'm very encouraged by the way they played early on, especially defensively. Now we haven't played the toughest schedule, and we've been at home for three games, even though the Laker game was their home game. You know, it was in our building. Right. So, but I've encouraged what I see early, especially defensively. And the other thing is um, the ball movement has been really good. Uh, you know, Chris was a, a, a ball-dominant point guard and, and one of the best. But, you know, we, we've got guys now that I think enjoy moving the ball a little bit more, and I think you're seeing that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny because the whispers are out there a little bit about that. Um, let's ask, let me ask you about that because, you know – what we can see on the court, as far as Chris Paul, first of all, I mean, I've considered him the gold standard of point guard play for his entire career. Um, he he does get on his players, though. I mean, is it is it safe to say that he
1: can be a tough teammate? I think that's safe to say, but that probably better put is is he is a teammate that holds other teammates accountable. Now, that accountability can get under guys' skin a little bit, if you know what I mean. But um, <laughs> He definitely holds them accountable, and himself as well. Uh, he's hard on himself too. I've, I've seen him be really down and, and on on his play, mm-hmm. and, and you know his his not being able to come through, you know when we needed them to in the clutch. So yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, he's tough on he is tough on guys, but you know what? So what? Take it. <laughs> play better.
0: Okay. Well, are, is there the fear that that kind of wears on you after enough years and the kind of loses its impact
1: I don't know if there's a fear but it probably does lose its its message and its impact you know after a few years Mm -hmm. but I uh, I, I tell you what I'd go to war with that kid anytime
0: yeah I mean it's funny because there there were a couple instances in the past in those playoffs uh, you know different playoffs in and around you know uh, that I could picture that you know he did you know, I don't know if it loses S-H-I-T or whatever you want to say, but uh, he kind of just sort of, yeah. For, for I think what's shocking about that, if he makes a, a mistake or a bad decision, is that because 99.9% of the time everything he does is perfect, it really kind of stands out sometimes. Um, but would you say that that's a thing? that like Is that a pressure thing that he doesn't handle well, or is that just sort of one of those things that happens over the course of a guy who's going to play hundreds of playoff games?
1: No, I don't think it's a pressure thing. Okay. You know, he just he just had a couple of rough rough finishes to games in the playoffs. Um, so I it's not a pressure thing. He thrives on that. He he wants that, like most most great players do. Hmm.
0: Well, let's talk about uh, one of the replacements for the new players in the team because it, I don't think it's a secret that uh-huh. like Milos Teodosic is you know my I think my favorite player maybe going anywhere. I you know uh, really uh, fun to watch him play. Uh, do you respond the same way when you watched him play? I know he got hurt recently, and it's a huge bummer. And maybe you can tell us when he's coming back. But uh, do you respond the yeah. same way that I do?
1: Well, you know, it's funny because when we signed him, I, I'd never seen him play live. i have just seen him a little bit on film. So I was really looking forward to training camp over in Hawaii and watching him for the first time. And uh, it was interesting watching him those first three or four days because, you know, the, the guy looks like he's just rolled out of bed <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and and kind of threw on his shorts and his sneakers and, and went over to the gym. You know, like old guys do on Saturday morning. They get up, you know, and they're 40 or whatever, and they go to the gym and they play pickup. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what he looks like. And and then he gets out there, and his IQ just jumps off the page with the way he plays the game and the way he sees the game. Um He's one of the best late passers in the pick and roll that I've seen. And what I mean by late passer is he comes off the pick and he's just kind of not in a hurry. He lets the muddy water clear. And when the water clears, he makes the right play, Um, whether it be a pocket pass, a skip pass, a lob pass, whatever. So he's one of the best at doing that. His vision is incredible. He's a great advanced passer. You know, Once you hit him with the outlet, his eyes go right up the court and he's able to advance it. To a rim runner or a guy up on the wing, and he's a better shooter than I thought. I uh, didn't know that he was that good of a shooter. They go under the screens, he could make the shot, he could hit the pull up jump shot. I've uh, been very, very pleased with what I see so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think he deserved to start, even though I know Austin was hurt a little bit in the beginning. Um, and, and he said, yeah, you know, he was, he was. I mean, and what's nice about the way the team is set up is that. You know, he could probably be like a, 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 have a defensive challenge out there, or be challenged defensively, but still have the 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 backup of guys like DeAndre behind him uh, and uh, Beverly that really you know kind of hide that a little bit. So, what? Let me ask you this: What do you think makes uh, somebody like that a, 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 have great vision? Do you you want to talk that up to just sort of a natural ability,
1: or is that you can or can you teach that? I, you can you can you can help improve it by film and by drill work, but. 60 to 70 percent of it is feel it's vision it's natural um you know he reminds me a lot in the way he comes off the pick and roll of pablo Prigioni, uh Mm. with his ability to make the late pass in the pick and roll and what i call the look off pass what i mean by that imagine you're coming off a high pick and roll and the big's rolling now the guy out of the corner lifts up yeah the opposite corner are you with me Okay, now the point guard's eyes. If the point guard's eyes go to the roll man, but he hits the big or hits the wing coming out of the corner, that's terrific. It's almost like the quarterback who looks off the safety with his eyes. Mm -hmm. Or imagine the point guard coming. He's coming off a high pick and roll, and his eyes go to the wing guy who's lifting up, but the pass goes to the big. Mm -hmm. That's what we call look look off pass. Sure. And both of those guys are terrific at looking off the defense and making uh, the lookoff pass in the pick and roll. So that's, that, that's something, I, you know, it's hard It's hard to drill, it's hard to teach. It's, a lot of it is just natural ability.
0: You, you know, part of it also feels like you've got to have the balls to do it, right? Like some of the passes he throws, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like, he, I, and I love when he, it's funny, we were actually listing all the different kinds of passes there are in basketball and you think oh there's there's you know not that many but when you really start thinking about it and when you watch him play there's probably like 40 to 50 different kind of passes you can throw that underhand pass <laughs> that he throws in the <laughs> in the, on the break like had you ever did, did he practice that had you, did you notice him practicing that pass uh, in, you know uh, on the court no no nobody nobody,
1: nobody practices that that's natural now when when's the first time we saw that the first time I ever saw that was Pete Maravich in the 60s mhm Pete would throw that. Well, go on YouTube and put in Pete Maravis. You'll see him throw that underhand long court pass yeah. and drop it right on the money. So, Absolutely. you know, there's that. There's the, two, there's the two-hand advance pass. There's the overhead, you know, soccer advance pass. There's all kinds, like you said. Um, and it's just the guy's creative. You know, and, and creative guys, you can't stifle them. And creative guys aren't worried about making a mistake. They're, they're creative. You think you think Mozart was worried about you know messing up with a note or something
2: <laughs> right no you know, I think right
1: you, you know, you just you just you just do it and and you you're creative and you let it flow and you live with the mistakes so that's
0: an interesting question because you know young players and young people these days I feel like have a fear of mistakes we see this like the, the millennial criticism right they don't want to even try to do it because they're fear you know they what they can then say is well it, it's okay I didn't do it I wasn't trying as hard as I could or I wasn't going to do it so I'm kind of curious, are you seeing that now? Is that sort of what's getting in the way of maybe young players, is that they have that fear, whereas just he he has that YOLO
1: going on? Well, I think, I think the, the fear of making mistakes doesn't originate with the player. I think it originates with the coaches. Because the coaches you know, aren't allowing them to make mistakes and be creative. Uh, you know, they're the ones you know, getting all over them. And that stifles their creativity. I, I think the coaches are more to blame. You know, you've you got to be able to live with some mistakes. It, it, now, we're talking about a special player that, that has that kind of creativity and talent. You have to let those guys make mistakes. And you can't stifle them. And so I think I, I think the uh, the problem is with the coaches sometimes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, not the players. Wow. You, I,
0: does that make sense? Absolutely, positively, and really—that's a very poignant point, and it kind of makes that, me sad. Now,
1: there's, there's probably there's probably a lot of coaches that are going to listen to this and say, "Oh man, he's crazy." They well, not, right? Yeah, we don't, we don't do that. Well, <laughs> yes, we do.
0: Oh we yeah, we do, do it. It's subtle too, I and, I, and you're right. I mean, I, I used to remember I would have practices where I'd say, "Okay, only crazy passes in this whole practice. You can only you have to throw the craziest pass you can for everything we do," and. You know, it it was fun. It kind of, you know, it gets the season, you know, it gets, uh, you know, changed up the season a little bit and the energy. But every once in a while, like, oh, that's actually a viable thing. We should we should work on that. And I I think that's the one thing I've learned is that, you know, the the harder you are at trying to be rote and, and, you know, stick to to strict fundamentals, the the, the worse it could get for you.
1: Yeah. And let me tell you, basketball, basketball to me is like jazz. I'm a big jazz music guy. And basketball is like jazz. It's not. I mean, to a point, it is um, uh, you know dictated by regime and plays and X's and O's and you know it's structured. But to a to a large degree, it's it's improvised. It's jazz. I mean, there's a little bit of chord structure, but you, you kind of just take it to where you feel like it needs to go within that chord structure. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I know I Phil Jackson talked it, about no, that. It's, it's, Oh, did he? Don't <laughs> love you with him. And him. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but I, agree, I agree with that. I mean, it's just so much like jazz music. You know, you, you, you just improvise and you let it kind of take you where it takes you within a structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think there's any other – maybe soccer's like that a little bit. Um, but that, that's what makes our game so great and so beautiful is that structure. But the ability to improvise and create within that structure. Hey, we're getting a little bit deep here now. Hey, listen, (laughs) (laughs) well,
0: (laughs) we're in California, so... Uh well yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen I mean that that's the it, it's great to hear I mean I'm telling you I'm a, a lot of the guys I talk to from your era uh, which is just right behind I'm right behind you um you know don't see the game that way and uh, it really is important I think as we supposedly as we, especially as we move forward with you know this sort of you know s- pacing and spacing and three-point shooting and, and sort of wild game um, does this look different to you I mean I, I almost feel like uh, is this, is where we're going with the NBA and the way the style of play? Uh, and the Clippers are now, you know, uh, certainly now that Chris Paul is not there, like they're moving into that as well. Is it here to stay? Is is, that, is this what we're going to happen? You know, is the game going to be even radically more different in ten years from now? And and do you well, like that?
1: Well, I, I love the style of play right now. But to answer your question, I, I I think this game is cyclical, and I I think at some point we may even go back to seeing. You know, two traditional bigs back to the basket. Huh. It's possible. Ten years down the road, who knows? You no, know, did anybody twenty years ago see this come? Yeah. See where? How about the game? I, I, I think I read that one of the highest scoring games is not the highest scoring game in, in NBA history, uh, or one of the highest scoring games. I think the team that scored the most points attempted something like four three-point shots.
2: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: I mean, did we see this coming where Houston's trying to shoot 53 a game? We didn't see that coming. So in 20 years or 15 years, maybe we're going to get back to two traditional bigs and pound the ball inside. Who knows? Um, you, you can't predict where the game's going to go. I think all you can do is appreciate where it is. And right now, I appreciate it, and I love the way the game's being played. Uh, the traditional big is, is, is no more, okay, for now. Okay, it's a thing of the past. Uh, the way the bigs are effective in the NBA now is totally different than they were 20 years ago. Um, and the guard play is, is different than it was 20 years ago as well. And a lot of it has to do with the rules. Yeah, you know? that's true. Well,
0: okay, last question for you. The the, uh, the rise of three-point shooting over the last you know six, six years or however it's been uh, has been unprecedented. It's been crazy. It's changed the game. However... Yes. The average three-point percentage has really not moved up at all, even though I think everyone would say we have a lot more three-point shooters than ever before, and that's the
1: focus. Why? Uh-huh. Defense. The defenses adjust, too. Mm-hmm. The emphasis defensively to guard that three-point line has really uh, intensified, and it's become very, very important. So defensive coaches now are spending way more time on Number one, who the three-point shooters are. Uh, number two, positioning the defense to be able to take away the three-point shots and run them off the line. And, and number three, uh, the teaching of the defensive techniques on you know how to close out the guy, how to close out to a guy and run him off the line. All that's become uh, really important defensively. So I think to answer your question, because the defense is adjusted, and I think that's why you haven't seen the percentages rise. Um, okay. Parallel to the number of the camp, but as we
0: go forward, and as these ten-year-olds are now l- watching the game and <laughs> modeling their training, and we'll have—I mean, I've been saying this for a little while. I think that you know, in eight or nine years, we're going to have a bunch of Steph Curry's out there. Uh, do, do you foresee that that percentage simply needs to, will rise just out of because of that?
1: I don't know if it will or not, uh, but I do have advice for those ten-year-olds you mentioned. Okay, you're, you're not your body is not ready for that yet mm-hmm. all right your body's not ready for that three-point shot yet you know when, when you get to be 13 or 14 then you can start looking at that but you know eight nine ten year olds who are out there just you know throwing the ball at the basket or catapulting it because they're not strong enough mm-hmm. I think that's a real disservice and youth coaches got to get on that you, you, you youth coaches out there listening if you got players that are under 12 or 13, and they're shooting threes with, with bad form and technique, you, you, you knock it off, okay? Tell them <laughs> yeah.
0: no. Yeah, and also… Uh, until
1: they get stronger.
0: And then they also need to have lower rims across the board uh, for the younger players and oh, smaller yeah. eight,
1: balls. Eight-foot eight, eight rims, eight rims for sure until they're, what, 10, 11 years old, no question.
0: Yeah, what I usually do is whatever I got, age…
1: I got, I, got a, I got a whole a whole laundry list of, 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 of things… That I think would improve youth basketball. Oh well, uh, yeah, you know what? That's just, that's just a couple of them.
0: <laughs> Let, let's get our let's get out, let's get out there and march around and do this because I also want to do. I, we need to standardize a lot more of this stuff, and I feel like uh, you know I want to go on a crusade as well because it's so frustrating to watch what's happening across the board. So, all right, you and I will get on that and we'll uh, we'll figure yeah, out. How that yeah, yeah. I,
1: I, I have some very strong feelings on uh, youth basketball, and what I mean by that is youth basketball is everything up until high school.
0: Okay. Yeah, me too. And I coached my kids, six, seven year old, and then the seven, eights. And I and I hadn't done it that that age for a long time. And and uh, yeah, I was I, I got some interesting insights into how that should work and how what we should be doing and not. And uh, all right, we're gonna put our heads together and we'll we'll do something on that for sure. <laughs> uh, but but Dave, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I mean, this was this is as insightful. This is it. We're done. Well, hey, I mean, we're done already. come back, you know, we, we okay. got to keep it, to, you know, somewhat, you know, uh, under under a certain time. But <laughs> but but no, come back. And by the way, you, you're, we're going to get on the court and we're going to film some stuff, too. Right. You promise? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to. All right. Great. Well, again, uh, Dave Severance, the uh, L.A. Clippers, uh, he was, you know, he worked with players on the court. He's now their pro personnel scout, which I don't know how you do that kind of job. You must be traveling all over the place all the time.
1: Right. Um, About 50, 50. Yeah, uh, but it, it works out pretty well. But, hey, you got you got to remember, I, I started as a ninth-grade coach, okay?
0: Ah. Uh, oh, you know what? Well, okay. Well, not well not the like next I show. started
1: at this level. <laughs>
0: the next show, we'll go through how you started, because I want to hear that story, too. So, okay, we'll, we'll have you back on soon. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll do it, and uh, we'll get on the court and all those things. So, thank you again for coming on the show. This was awesome. Thank you, Nick. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Dave? You bet.